Welcome to the PG Growth Plan Giving Podcast. PG Growth Podcast. I'm Ed Sluga. Today I have an interesting conversation with Linda Henry. Linda is a longtime fundraising professional in the city of Toronto. She happens to also be our VP of Operations. Linda joined us in 2020 in a very interesting time for all of us. Linda and I had a chance to have a good conversation about tactics of lead generation around plan giving. And the key is not the tactic itself, which There are lots of them out there, and many of them are very effective. It's being prepared before the tactic happens, and also being prepared for after the tactic is completed. Whatever way that you are reaching out to your donors to get them to raise their hands and say they're interested in a planned gift to your organization, you have to prepare before you start that, and you have to be prepared, of course, after those expressions of interest come in. So it's a really interesting conversation about how one professional took the time when Linda was operating a plan giving program to prepare herself and her team before they reached out to their stakeholder group and what they did afterward to make sure that that tactic was well invested in and really had an impact on their program. Linda, today I wanted to talk a little bit about lead generation activity. It's really important in plan giving to be doing, whether it's constant lead generation or a really focused, intense time of lead generation. What we're doing there is identifying individuals who want to have discussions with us around plan giving, who show interest, intent, maybe even reveal gifts. But there needs to be a lot of preparation in advance of these, particularly when we are engaging in these very intensive lead generation activities. I know when you were at Michael Guerin, you used this kind of intensive lead generation activity. What sorts of things did you do to prepare for it? And what kind of program did you actually engage in in terms of its size because of that preparation. So let's go through first, how did you prepare to be ready for that kind of intensive lead generation activity? Well, I mean, first, I think there was an awful lot of things that we had to do in order to be ready to do such such a lead generation. I think one of the key things was looking at our resources, our staffing resources, and determining, you know, how big of a lead generation campaign do we want to do? You know, if we're going to do, say, 100,000, say it's by, you know, an e-survey, et cetera, just say you get 10% back. Are you able, do you have enough staff to follow up on 10,000 people? Um, And chances are, in, in our situation, we didn't. So then that would that would lead us to say, okay, maybe the number shouldn't be 100,000. Let's get it down to a realistic number. So just say you do, you know, you get it down to 10,000 or 1,000. If it's 1,000 and you've got one staff person who is probably in our situation was also doing other work. So kind of doing this off the side of her desk, you know, from 1,000, you're down to 100. How manageable is 100? And then you can determine 
from there if that is if it is manageable so once you decided you know we decided that it was manageable then it was having all these other things in place you know does this staff person have the necessary skills and if not do they need training and do they need scripting um and also all you know, making sure that it was all set up. We used Razor's Edge, making sure that all the coding was already set up in Razor's Edge. So once you started doing the, the follow-up, et cetera, you could just go right in and, and document everything that you were doing. So you would have records of it. And then I think for the staff themselves, you know, making sure that you had the appropriate metrics or KPIs for them, you know, how many calls a month, how many calls a week, you know, how many request confirmations were you expecting them to receive? How many follow-ups, you know, were you expecting them to receive, et cetera? But also, you know, when you do phone calls after, you know, say you've done an e-survey or you've actually mailed out a, a package, people would say, oh, I don't remember receiving that. So make sure you've got all the collateral materials, all whether it's print, digital, et cetera, so you can while you're talking with them on the phone, even say, oh, you know what, I'm going to send that to you right now and either email it out to them or make sure that it goes into the mail that day and then set a time to meet with them, you know, a week later kind of thing. So to give them time to review the package. So to make sure you've got all your marketing materials, all your one pagers, request wording, those kinds of things. And then I think to making sure internally you've got your own policies and procedures in place things like gift acceptance, you know, if somebody says when you're talking to them, oh, Linda, you know what, that's a great idea. Why don't I leave you my, uh, my art collection? Well, is your, is your organization prepared to accept art? What's in your gift acceptance policies? Do you even have any, how up to date they are, et cetera? Cause you don't want to give back the wrong information to the donor when you're talking to them on the phone. And also oftentimes we would get Things like requests, I'd love to do this. I don't have a lawyer. Can you give me the name of a lawyer? Is your organization comfortable with that? What's your policies around that? Do you have a listing of approved allied professionals that you could refer them to? Or is it your policy not to refer them and, and to tell them that they have to seek out their own, et cetera? So making sure all of that's in place, all those kinds of things. But then also I think really managing whether it's your plan giving advisory committee or whatever title they have and managing your board's expectations. Because once you announce that you're doing a lead generation, um, sometimes people can have the idea that, you know, um, the results are gonna be immediate, that there's gonna be, you know, you're gonna be overwhelmed with hundreds or thousands of them or, you know, whatever. And that we all know just because somebody makes a, a bequest intention. They may not pass away for many, many years. So that money is not coming in this fiscal because that's what everybody looks at are the budgets. So just making sure that you're managing the expectations of everybody um, from your committees to your board so that they have a realistic uh, understanding of the project that you're working on. So that would be some of the prep that I would th think that you would, that I have uh, done um, in the past to make sure that you're ready to go. Cause once you're ready to go, that you're not gonna have time to be trying to write out policies and procedures or get your marketing materials together or that kind of thing. You're gonna be too busy on the phone 
to, to be doing. Yeah, this. that's great. And so, and that's really great prep work. And, and I agree with all of that. And you, of course, you've been in the middle of it. I've been in the middle of it when we're managing teams and providing them with, uh, with all of that in advance is really very important because again, we're engaging in this, uh, this activity. Oftentimes they're, they're expensive activities and, and you're right. I, I love the way you, you, you've referenced the committee and by extension, the board, because the board sees an expenditure for some of the, these lead generation activities. And they ask you questions about what is that big one-time expenditure this year that we're doing? Why are we doing this? How is it going to help? And so managing, it's, it's about managing expectations all through uh, the expectations of staff, the expectations of volunteers, the expectation of leadership about what we're going to be doing and then preparing them, as you say, very rightly. But we've done all of that. And you and I have done all of that. Our colleagues out there do all of that. And they still enter into these lead generation activities. And it can still, even though they've done their best to prepare, overwhelm them. It can still overwhelm them. And so how do, how then maybe from your, your perspective and your experience, having dr driven that kind of lead generation activity for lots of really good reasons, you did all the prep. How did you make sure that you, you continued to work through the act, the benefit of that activity after the fact, because Frankly, we've seen a lot of organizations, you and I working together, but also in the past when we were with different organizations on both the agency side or the organization side, we've seen our colleagues with these great, you know, portfolios of leads and nothing is going on to follow up. So what was it that you made sure you did after the fact to really benefit from the opportunity that was presented to you? Well, I think there's a couple of things and, you know, I, I talked about it in the prep part, but I think it really does overflow into the follow-up, you know, making sure that you pick the right amount of leads that you're going to start with um, kind of thing to make it realistic and manageable. If the number is too big, your staff are going to be overwhelmed. And quite frankly, they're just not going to get to all of them. And from a donor relations point of view, um, you know, if a donor receives a package in, say, June, and then you don't get to them till December, six months later, it's they've completely forgotten. They don't remember receiving the package, etc. And also, if they do remember it, they're thinking, geez, you know, it took you five or six months to get back to me. How important is my gift really to you? So from a donor relations point of view, too, and not just staffing, etc., make sure you pick the right number to start with. To me, that's the most important thing. But then once you've picked the right number and now you're doing all the follow up, you know, get your list. And of course, they're all rated typically when you're doing lead generations, right? So don't start at the bottom or kind of thinking about it. I might be interested in, et cetera. Start with your top, you know, your key, <laughs> your key most interested ones and group them that way and start with the most interested and work your way yeah. down the list and make sure that your staff person who's doing this understands that as well. Um, and Make sure you have set really, really concrete KPIs for your staff. Every week, you need to be calling 
10 people, 20 people, 30 people, et cetera. And from this pool, and then the next week it's from this pool and this pool and this pool as you're going down the list. So really monitoring them and keeping track. And I find most staff really appreciate it because it can be an overwhelming, you know, when you've got those kinds of numbers. So it can be, um, they find it very encouraging. And then, um, you know, again, it's about following up not just verbally, but some of our donors prefer, you know, to be followed up um, by writing, by mail. Um, some may want an in-person visit. And that's another thing is that staff person, um, do they have the skill set to be able to do that? Most would, I'm assuming, um, but maybe they're not the right person either. So having a system set up in place, if they've, if you've sent out something to them, you've had a conversation with them, they're very interested and they're interested in a very large gift, et cetera. Um, you know, perhaps that staff person isn't the right person. Perhaps it's somebody else on the senior management team. Perhaps it's, you know, someone from the hospital if they have a real affinity for one of the doctors who saved their lives coming from a hospital background, et cetera. Really looking at their circumstances and then seeing who's the best person to go follow up in person um, with them. And then, of course, you know, making sure when you see everything going into Razor's Edge and, you know, setting your reminders, that way you don't get behind either, right? And it can keep you prompted by looking at your dashboard every morning, as soon as you walk in, looking at your dashboard, what's on the list today, who am I talking to, what am I doing, et cetera. And then, of course, you know, doing your regular reporting back to your, your plan giving committees and your board committees, et cetera, and giving them updates on a consistent basis and giving them and being totally transparent um, and totally consistent. These are the numbers that are actually in the door, not we think are going to come in the door. And again, that's just about managing expectations. And then of course, there's the whole, you know, how are you going to recognize them? How are you going to recognize their gift? You know, of course, recognition policies would have been covered off in your, in your, you know, prep work, your organization should have recognition policies in place. And what are the rules around plan giving recognition? And perhaps you have a legacy society, et cetera. And then once, you know, you have received confirmation, et cetera, from them, you can't just drop them. You can't just leave them, right? You need to be constantly engaging them. And that's having touch points throughout the year. So, you know, it could be anything from, you know, make sure they receive a holiday card. If you do have a legacy society and you have two or three events a year, maybe it's a tea, maybe it's a, um, you know, come meet a doctor who's talking about this uh, topic of interest, etc. Making sure that your plan giving uh, people are included on those um, invitation lists and, you know, set and make regular times just to check in with them. You know, maybe it's twice a year, maybe it's three times a year, etc. just to touch base with them so they feel valued and they feel a part of your, in this situation, hospital family. And, you know, you didn't just get a will confirmation form from them and then they never heard from you ever again. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I guess one of the things that as you're talking, I'm thinking about is that there are folks out there, uh, our colleagues out there right now who are, have, you know, have just been given a list of people that have come out of one of these lead generation activities. They may be in the middle of it thinking now, listening to, to what you've said, oh my God, I didn't prep enough uh, in advance or, or and thankfully there are some that are hearing this and, and, and making sure that they are prepping but if you're part of the first two groups I, I, I would say just again it comes out from what you're saying it's okay 
you're entering into a long-term relationship with these individuals. They're your good donors. That's who tends to be on the lists. And, uh, you know, you might have more than you can handle. Don't be overwhelmed by that list that you suddenly have, whether it's 200 or 1,000 or 2,000 people that you've got now. Just remember you can incrementally go through it and it's okay to send a letter to all of them saying, thank you um, for your interest. We had such wonderful response. We're working through everyone. We're going to get to you. We care about you. It's just so many people care about our organization. And, and so, nice yeah, it's a nice touch point. It lets them know that they are valuable. It lets them know, that, um, that uh, you know, you're going to get to them. A lot of times our colleagues and our organizations don't want to do that because it seems like we were, yes, unprepared, and you probably were. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but that's okay. It's okay to be transparent, as you said, Linda. It's okay to be honest and open and say, but wow, it's also okay to say so many people are like you. They want to help us in this way. And we're going to get to you, we promise. It just may take a little longer. Um, so really great advice, Linda. Thanks so much. And I, I hope our colleagues understand. Be prepared. because. <laughs> no, if I could just add two things that I just sure. thought of, actually. You know, um, besides that, I mean, if you find that you are, you know, the response was just so overwhelming, which is a wonderful position for an organization to be in. I mean, that's also a time to look at, for management to look at their staffing resources and say, hey, this is really going well, but this one person can't, this one staff can't possibly do, do it all. Maybe we need to add staffing resources to it, et cetera. So it's a good time to sit and uh, take stock um, and, and determine that because you don't want to leave, you know, as they say, money on the table out there, right? If the response has been so positive. Um, and also too, you know, you need to also um, relate that or integrate that with your annual and major gift teams as well. Typically plan giving donors have come from your annual and major gift programs, um, but it may have been a long time since they, they made a major gift or an annual gift. And now you've got them back in connection with the family. And so it's a good time to sit down with the other members of your team for major gift in the annual program and, and review that and see if there's a possibility to receive a current gift from them or an additional gift or to upgrade their annual gift, et cetera. So to not lose uh, uh, track of that focus as well. Yeah, that's all good advice. And so let's hope people, uh, you know, if they're entering into this kind of thing, they take this advice because it's really important yes. and it'll be really helpful. Thank you so much for the time today, Linda. That's great.